0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sunrise Apologetics, proclaiming and defending the Christian faith. I hope that you are all doing well out there today. Um, I am very tempted, uh, this episode, to talk uh, a lot of politics because I have various thoughts on uh, recent uh, controversies and issues that are happening. Um, Everything from Biden uh, sending missiles to the Middle East to uh, Ted Cruz sending himself (laughs) to Cancun uh, while Texas is under uh, snow. So uh, a lot of different opinions and thoughts there, but I will reframe. I will move to something holier, something far more worthy to discuss, and that is the text of Scripture. Um, I just want to exegete a little bit of Galatians today. Galatians chapter 6. And this is on my heart because I've been thinking a lot about one particular point that Galatians chapter 6 has, and uh, let's, uh, let's explore this together. I don't, I don't even know how long this will be. Uh, many of you know that I'm in the uh, dissertation process, um, and I'm currently working on my proposal, so that takes a lot of time and energy, uh, though my advisor and all my uh, professors are extremely Gracious to me and uh, do not skin me alive when I <laughs> don't uh, do as well as I could. So very, very godly leaders that I have there. Um, so let's take a look just a little bit at uh, Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7. And the text of Scripture says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap, Um, you know, I think a lot of people, especially a a lot in atheism, they believe that they are able to mock God, that he's not real, to say that he's dead, Um, you know, to quote the great Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, who's great in their minds because of his atheism, uh, that God is dead, man has killed him, which is an interesting perspective. So I think what, what Nietzsche is getting at is that man created God, and so therefore has the ability to kill God. And of course, when you have the Christian worldview that man cannot create God, God is, was not created but has always been a great mystery of the Holy Spirit, therefore he cannot be uh, deceased, he cannot end. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the fact that God is not mocked and he is not up in heaven distressed or otherwise upset about people who, you know, who, who make a mockery of him or try to uh, say that he's dead. He's not distressed by these things. His, his course of action is undisturbed. His will is going to be done no matter what. And I, I'm afraid those people need to fear and fear for their lives that they would, uh, they would be judged by him and they will be. God the righteous judge. It's interesting that when people go, you can't judge me, only God can judge me. They're right. Only God can make a righteous judgment. You know, Matthew 7 is is far more talking about having equal scales in our dealings with others. But God can truly judge and will truly judge. Uh, I'm afraid for many of these people that that they're, they're going to find that out in the worst way. Um, he is not mocked. We should not be deceived as Christians. We should not be led astray. We should not be uh, led astray by false doctrine, even from within our own body, even from within our own church, people who are confused. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. What we put into our Christian lives is what we're getting out. And I find so many people who, I'm not getting a lot out of church. I wasn't fed. You, you'll hear that a lot from from church people. I, I wasn't being fed there. That church don't do right. All this kind of stuff. But there's no mention of what they do, what they're putting in, what their ministry is. No, it's very easy to criticize what the leaders or the servants of the church are doing. But when you're doing neither, you know, what are you getting out of that? This text is clear. Whatever you're sowing, you're reaping back. If you're sowing hatred and drama and gossip then that's what you're gonna get back. But if you are sowing righteousness and mercy and peace and Christ, that is what you will reap in your life. And so we should not be uh, left you know, uh, in, in, in evil you know, of our own making. No, we should move on to righteousness and righteousness that we sow and that God will water, God will give the increase and we will reap the benefit. Verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh and the will of the flesh from the flesh will reap corruption. This is why we have issues. This is why we have sin. This is why we have drama. And this is why we have fights because we sow to our flesh. We do what we want. We plant the seeds that make us greater than God, that make our pride grow. I mean, we're planting prideful seeds in our own lives. And when we see the ugly, nasty—you know—I dare to call it fruit—but the results of those prideful seeds, and then we get upset and we blame someone else, or we blame the church, or we blame God. But it's us. We have sown fleshly seeds, and we are reaping corruption. You know, I think about uh, the 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 great uh, Irish potato famine, when they had the corruption of that crop, and they and literally people, hundreds, thousands, starving to death. Because they could not grow food. The corruption had taken hold in the seeds themselves. This is what sin is doing. And sin is in the church. It's in the body of believers. I can't I cannot tell you how many times I've I've spoken with someone who is so afraid of of, of sin, you know, getting into the church somehow, or certain types of people who shouldn't be there. But they themselves have a wicked, deceitful heart. Proverbs said so. Who can know it? Romans chapter three, quoting Psalms. There is none good, no, not one, none seeks after God. We all have sinned and have sown prideful seeds of flesh in our lives. It is only God who can come out and rip out the evil that is growing and replace it with a spiritual seed, that which will grow. And what does the rest of verse 8 say? But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit reaps eternal life. And this is where we should be. This is where we should be acting. This is where we should be living. This is where we should stay. The world looks at us, and this is why apologetics fail. Because we're trying to defend our Christian faith, but you can't defend that which you do not have. You cannot take a defensive position around a position you do not occupy. And there are so many people who claim the name of Christ, but they take it in vain because their lives do not back up their words. Their actions do not support what their mouth is doing. We sow sinful, prideful seeds in our own lives, and that is why we reap the corruption. But we shouldn't. And Christians, you don't have to. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap the eternal life. That is where we should stay. Let's look at verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It is so easy to fall into the temptation of giving up. The cares of the world, the fights and the struggles and the evil that has come against the church, the the issues of the pandemic, the issues of trying to move your entire church ministry online, all these things have come against the church and it's so easy for Christians to give up. It's so easy to feel like I cannot go on, that God has left me, that I'm going to lay down and die. But the apostle is exhorting us here, don't grow weary. Stay focused and do the things that we should do to stay ready. You know, I think about athletes who run for only seconds and, and that's where they compete and that's where they'll be measured and try to see if they are worthy of victory. But they train for years. They train every day. They don't grow weary. Christians, it's time for us to get the spiritual exercises going again. It's time to get those spiritual disciplines moving again in us, the same way an athlete warms up and gets the blood moving so they can uh, fulfill their their body to the highest possible physical potential. We need to do the things. We need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to get on our face before Him. We need to put to death our sin so that we can be ready for action. Because we don't know when the race is going to be for us. We don't know in the moment. Well, we're going to be called to do that. So don't grow weary. And the, the worst way to grow weary is to be laying there doing nothing, sitting on the premises at church, right? As the old joke says, you know, sitting on their blessed assurance. You know, we sing about standing on the promises, but really we're all sitting on the premises. That's why we're growing weary because we're not doing anything. We're not accomplishing work. We're not preaching the gospel. We're not making a personal witness. We're not planning Bible studies and and teaching scripture. And you might raise your hand and say, oh, wait a minute, I'm not a a preacher. That's not my calling. You are called to be a Christian. You are called to go out into the world and be a light because the season for reaping is coming. And we're going to reap what we have sown if we do not give up. Christian, don't give up. It's so easy to fall. It's so easy to declare to the world, you win. Don't give up. God has never given up on you. When Jesus was on the cross in Luke, being executed for crimes he never committed and was never going to commit, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus never gives up. He never gave up on you. God waits for the, for, the, for the sinner to come to him in repentance, and he will forgive them. Why should his people, the Christians, be any less? We don't give up. Nobody promised this was going to be perfect. Nobody promised that this was going to be easy. No, we don't give up. God will never give up on us. We should never give up on him. So then, verse 10. As we have opportunity, so whatever happens in your life, whether it's career, whether you're in ministry, whether it's at the office, whether it's at school, whether you're a young person, whether you're a kindergartner, you are in pre, you know, you're in pre-K, you're in daycare, whatever it is, you might be in the nursing home. God gives opportunities. What does the apostle say? As we have opportunity, let us do good. Do good. How can we know that we're doing good? What is the standard that we're going to use? Are we going to use a worldly standard, which now is declaring you can change your gender if you so decide that you're a different one? No, the standard of good comes from God. God is not good because he is good. God is good because he is God. And good is not good because it's good. Good is good when it's God. Let us do what God would do. That's what's good. Let us do good to everyone. And this is a huge point with me. Not everyone is going to heaven. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew that it, the, it was a narrow way, and there would be few who find it. Not everyone is going to heaven. Hell exists for a reason. That does not mean, however, that you and I can treat people who are unsaved, maybe atheists, whatever they are, reprobate blasphemers. That does not mean we can treat them with any less respect, any less kindness, any less love than Jesus did when he walked this earth. So many people have picked out the groups that God would never love and they don't have to love them either, much less do good to them. The reprobates, the the people who are never going to get saved and they they shouldn't even be allowed in church. I believe this mindset is heresy. Heresy. Where did Jesus go? He sat with the sinners and tax collectors. Where did Jesus go? He sat with the women. Where did Jesus go? He got with the disciples. If we're going to sit in a church and create a a monolith, you know, a museum, okay, of statues who never do anything for God, that's not where Jesus would be. That is not where Jesus would be. Jesus, by his clear narrative in the scriptures of the New Testament, went into the streets, the highways, byways. He goes after the people, not mythical figures of Christianity that never do any wrong. There's no group that God doesn't want you to do good to. That doesn't mean you agree with what they're doing. That doesn't mean that you affirm their theology. Nothing like that. Let me ask you this. If you're a Christian, and let's say, let's devise a scenario that's not too crazy. A Christian in the medical field, okay, doctor, nurse, you know, whatever. And they have somebody come in who's injured. Would we really expect them to quiz engage this level of spirituality or theology in that injured person before they did their life-saving work? No. No, they're going to save that person's life and do their jobs. You and I have a similar job in the Spirit. We preach the gospel, the thing that actually saves for eternity. And before we do that, we're going to quiz the person on theology? No, my friends, Jesus started with the gospel, and we should too. The gospel is good, and that is the good that we should do to everyone. It doesn't mean you agree with them. It doesn't mean you're you're their best friend. It doesn't mean you go to church with them. It means you share the gospel that has been shared with you. And then we see, especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to those who are of the household of faith, Are you involved at your local church? I know a lot of Christians. The Southern Baptist Convention has 16 million. You can't find more than 5 million on church on Sunday morning. Are you committed to a local church? Are you there week after week? And I don't mean you attend every service. I don't mean you're, you know, a pew barnacle that that attends all three times the doors are open, but you don't do much else. No, I mean really committed. You care about the people. You care about the ministry. You care about the role the church has in your life. I submit to you, Christian, the greatest good that you could do is faithfully serve the local assembly God has placed you in. Raise your children in the gospel. Don't raise them in church. Raise them in Christ. The traditional, you know, ways that we've always tried to raise kids, and then they'll leave it because it's not the gospel. Commit yourself and you will find the greatest opportunities to do good, the greatest opportunities to sow peace and righteousness and remove the seeds of corruption from your life, the greatest opportunity to be that light and example of God the Father. So don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Do good to everyone, but especially the local church that God has placed you in. Thank you, and God bless you.